three, two, one, zero, 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 zero. From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in, and Mary Danielson, good morning. Good morning. Hey, we've got a great guest today. John Leffler is waiting in the wings to come on, but I need to get some scripture out of the way to give us a little perspective today. Not out of the way, like we're going to cast it aside. Don't misunderstand that. Um, be anxious for nothing. But in Psalm 112, I just read this this morning, and it says, Praise the Lord, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. And then if you go down to verse 6 in Psalm 112, it says, For he will never be shaken, for the righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is upheld. He will not fear until he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. And a different translation of verse um, 7, where, where it says he will not fear bad or evil tidings. One translation says he will not fear bad news. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're talking about bad news. We're talking about things that we don't like but that are happening in the world, and we have choices to make regarding how to react and respond as Bible-believing Christians in this world for such a time as this. John Leffler's back with us. He hosted Steel on Steel Radio for nearly 32 years, and I wouldn't say he's retired, but he's probably keeping as busy as ever. But we're going to talk about news and events in America, around the world, geopolitics, culture, worldview, globalism, all these good things. And we're going to get his take on so many of the news stories that Mary and I wanted to try to get to today. We'll see how far we get. But John Leffler, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth, brother. Nice to be back. I had a, one of your listeners in uh, Arizona, of all places, called and reminded me that I hadn't been on your show in a long time. <laughs> That's said, Yeah, funny. you're right. Yeah, That's funny. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, by the way, do you know anybody in Rhode Island? No, I do okay. not. <laughs> We've got <laughs> worth a try. Yeah, we we've got fi- forty nine out of fifty states that have uh, made a donation to uh, the the radio station here, the podcast, and we have not been able to get reach anybody in Rhode Island. So I know there are Christians there, but just I check with almost every guest. But John, um, there's a lot going on. Before we even give you the specific articles that we have in front of us that we wanted to, to touch on. Um, just since we've had you on last, and I think it's been maybe six months, I don't know, but just just overall what's happening, give us the bird's eye view from that biblical perspective on what you see and how you can warn uh, Bible-believing Christians that are listening and paying attention. Well, we're all going to move to our private island uh, in the Caribbean, and we'll pretend the rest of the world doesn't exist. You know. Deal. You know, uh, you know what's interesting? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just said it's a deal. <laughs> she wants I, to move uh, to the Caribbean. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, it, since the last time I was on the show, you know, we closed my radio show after uh, 32 years, and I believe the Lord had put us on the air in 1990 to begin warning everybody mm. what was coming. And at mm-hmm. the time, even church people were calling us extreme. Well, that, that'll never happen. Well, here it is, you know, uh, and everything. But in looking at it since, say, last July, almost nothing has really changed. 
It's what I call s- skating across the flats. It doesn't mean nothing's going on. It just means it's the same old, same old in the battles, whether you look at the uh, trans issue, what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. It's all just skating across the flats. And it's building towards another major shift. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people tend to miss because they get involved in the daily squabbles. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Before we got on the air, you called them distractions. There are, well, you know, I mean, these things are happening. There are things that are minor. There are things that are major. But all these things, and then we've got the biased, complicit media that does not report the truth, uh, especially on important issues um, regarding Israel and all kinds of other things. And so we're not getting the full story. So there are a lot of distractions, and I want you to respond to what we talked about. When I said, um, here's China preparing for war, and the U.S. is getting a woke military, and there's a drag queen that's one of the ambassadors for the Navy uh, right now. There's really a lot of people are so... Uh, they're criticizing that. A lot of former veterans and former Navy SEALs, they're going, what the heck is going on with Biden's military? So your thoughts on that distraction as a world powers are making their moves? Okay, the West has been in the process of chewing out its own guts for about 50 to 60 years in academia. <laughs> nice visual. Uh, yeah, telling itself, you know, it's like you can picture a wolf just going gnaw, gnaw, gnaw on its own entrails. And that's what we've been doing. We've been telling ourselves everything that is wrong with us. Um, and so this has been building for quite some time. Mm. What you're seeing now in regards to the West's approach to reality, and Victor Davis Hanson has echoed this theme too, is a tremendous tension building up between narrative and reality. Mm. And you'll never guess, ultimately, which one wins. Yeah. It's reality. Reality becomes real. Uh, and that's what we're seeing. Now, you mentioned this with the military, David. They're over here with all this wokus pocus <laughs> trying to do what they're doing. But China, I don't know if you watch this, the big underlying uh, substrate here to everything is the coming collapse of currencies or transformation mm. of these. Yep. China just added in what, in the first quarter here, two trillion dollars, two trillion dollars it, it threw into its, uh, national debt trying to make its GDP look great. China right now doesn't have a plan B. Its plan B is war. And so you need to watch that one. We're watching the move of the U.S. dollar towards its demise. Mm. And the central banks, even Christine Lagarde from the European Central Bank, has said this. We want to have a digital currency. And by the way, they are going to chase Bitcoin and the others out of the market. I'm, I'm predicting that governments will not tolerate competitors, but they want to have digital currency so they can track virtually all important transactions. Lagarde has said this. We know that's in the in the issue. We know that we have within probably 12 months, if you and I are talking 12 months from now, it will probably be underway, is another collapse, just like 2007, another crash. This time, however, most of the conservative experts who were successful in predicting the previous one are saying far worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Dave McElvaney said on the show, we're still producing his daily uh, or weekly financial commentary. Dave said Americans have got some inflation right now, and it's, it's really painful to go and buy things. But they have not felt pain yet. And pain is always what politicians use to bootstrap the public into the next 
uh, agenda that they have. Believe me, the central banks are trying to get ahead of this. They see it coming. They know the dollar's dying. They understand unserviceable debt. What are they going to do? That's the big question. Well, let's uh, transition to this story. You mentioned uh, the Fed, and let's talk briefly. I, and I don't mean to do this at the beginning of the podcast, but we've got to cover this. There's an article that's called The Dollar's Demise. It's an inside job. And um, it's, it, you, it's about Fed now. FED, capital N-O-W, it's scheduled for a nationwide launch in July. It's the government's first new banking platform in over 40 years. I don't know a lot about it, John. What can you tell us about Fed now and, and the purpose of this? It's obvious on the surface what it is designed to be is a point-to-point money transfer where you can rapidly make payments from one person to another, maybe almost like a, a national IP address. You have your IP and you can move monies back and forth. And even now, a lot of banks can do that. You know, I can move money between different banks electronically. I can pay my bills electronically. It's already set up. This will probably be at the start to be an international clearinghouse where payments can be moved around without physical checks moving through. Look at all the effort that's put clearing paper checks and things of that nature. The danger, of course, is the imposition of woke ideas on top of that yes. and saying, well, you know, uh, you can't, we're not going to transfer any more monies to your church till your church starts teaching more politically correct doctrine and stopping with that Bible nonsense. That's really clearly yep. a visible result in the direction that we're going. And so we don't, you know, there's always the for public consumption on the top and then later on, it remains to be seen when you get into trouble with a when a politician or anybody comes and says we want this program you have to ask four questions what does that mean how will it be implemented and or enforced is it voluntary or mandatory and who is going to pay for it yes great questions can you say those again right number one what does that mean like (laughs) you just brought up this program that the feds working on two how will it be implemented or enforced? Three, is it voluntary or mandatory? And be mm-hmm. real careful with this one because <laughs> they frequently make you a voluntary offer that you can't refuse. <laughs> right, right. And literally can't, can't refuse. Yeah. Can't refuse. And number four, who's going to pay for it? How will this be funded? And if you can't get answers to those questions, straight answers, you don't want it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think FedNow really is just step one to a fully uh, digital world in America. And I want to bring up something that um, has been, this is my file, I call this file, um, something that we are the only generation in all of history to see it file. Um, Senators introduced bill to create digital identity for all Americans. U.S. Senator Kristen Sinema an independent of Arizona, and Cynthia Loomis, Republican of Wyoming, have introduced Senate Bill 884, known as the Improving Digital Identity Act of 2023. Now, Cinema, Kristen Cinema is a, um, she's spoken at Davos and the Bilderberg. She's a globalist big time. And the general idea is, you know, uh, identity theft and identity fraud are rising in the U.S. You know, 300 million people have been affected, so we need to fix this. Uh, but then, like, this sort of leads into what you were saying. Once everyone has a digital ID, it becomes easy to restrict everyday human movement and activity based on one's 
social credit score, just like in China. But even beyond this, in America, there's something called Earth ID, and this is an app that you can already download. You can get an, an Earth ID. They're hoping late 2024 for a global ID. Uh, and include, it says, uh, when you go to the Earth ID website, it says, our vision is an inclusive Earth powered by a self-sovereign digital identity. In other words, this was your idea. We're working towards providing a secure self-sovereign digital identity to all human beings. And then it says, get this, irrespective of their economic, political, and social status. Well, Revelation 13 says, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave. That's exactly what that says, their economic, political, and social status. And this is coming up soon. It'll be linked to a blockchain that can... Uh, it's a ledger that keeps track of every transaction in real time. I mean, wow, we are the only generation, right? Um, so, I mean, how soon is this? Because to me, you know, when Revelation talks about a mid-tribulation kind of acceptance of this forced ID, um, if that's true, how close are we to that? What do you? What are your thoughts about that? Remember that island in the Caribbean? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's nice and warm there. <laughs> we should get there real quick. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, no. Um, in reality, you're absolutely right about that. I was talking about this with uh, Rabbi Bert Yellen in uh, in mm. Denver. He's Messianic congregation there. And he said, I've never seen everything as moving as fast yeah. as we are. It will pick up speed. Remember, Jesus said it would be one generation. Okay, when when you began to see the signs, it would mm-hmm. be one generation. And I always benchmark everything from when Allen B. entered Jerusalem mm-hmm. in 1917. So mm-hmm. Many important things happened that year. That was the beginning of the end of the times of the Gentiles having control over Jerusalem. That was the Balfour Declaration, the return of Jews to, you know, can a nation be reborn in a day? Ta-da-da, it mm-hmm. was. Uh, we can go down the list. And for the first time, as you mentioned, it's really, you're really correct about this. For the first time in history, we can take almost every single prophecy from Daniel 7 forward, Revelation 13, and we can actually see how it could be fulfilled. Before, even in 1950, say, they still couldn't figure that out. But Daniel was told, remember that when finally Daniel goes, you know, this is really shaking me up quite a bit. (laughs) You know, can you tell me what this all means? And the angel told Daniel, never you mind, because Mm -hmm. these prophecies remain sealed until the end. Why? Because the believers, as they came into these times, would have to know in order to keep their faith afloat what's happening. Jesus said things were going to get so bad that would he find faith on the earth when he came back? And that's why the times had to be short. So you're absolutely right. Um, and it, it's worthless to set time clocks, but what I am predicting is watch this grow exponentially. Watch uh, artificial intelligence make a breakout. Right now, mm. it's sort of a learning process that the software learns from its own mistakes and back and forth and chat GBT, but it's already going into the next generation. Watch over 24 months. Everything will start accelerating exponentially. Is my prediction. Wow! If we're still here in 24 months, yeah. well, that's assu- <laughs> that's always assuming. That. Right, yes. right, right. Well, and John says the things that must quickly take place. That actually, right. that Greek word is tachy, means like tachometer, a measurement of how fast it's going. I mean, that's just amazing. Because uh, it is, it's being cranked up like a snowball going down a hill. Right, yeah. and and you're not going to stop it because you mm-hmm. remember you said that it 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 will be. Remember, it always evil rides in on the back of a white horse. Okay, it always rides in on the back of a problem 
that either it created deliberately mm-hmm. or just simply happened, and then it poses itself to the ans- as the answer to the very problem that it created. And so zoom back to the Federal Reserve here or the European Central Bank, and what is the Fed doing now? Is it containing this? Just barely. Mm. Um, its job is to maintain your expectations, mm. not to necessarily keep things under control. Look at the number of bank failures since Silicon Bank went hooey. Okay. Um, we knew that based on how they were trying to contain the, uh, the inflation, the, that they were going to have to wreck a couple of more banks to do it. And so this was expected. You could see it coming. We talked about it on the financial show a couple of months ago. And uh, that's why that one was there. They also know the end game is coming. They're trying to get ahead of that. They're trying to, uh, politicians are always trying to tell you how wonderful everything is. Look at the headlines today. You know, record unemployment. Of course, when President Trump was in, oh, no, we're not going to mention that. Um, So, uh, David, as you talked about, everything is manipulated, what we hear. Hmm. Uh, You had asked me, remember, we talked uh, by email, and you said, what about, uh, what happened to Tucker Carlson? And well, what you see is you have socialist TV station C and socialist TV station F moving closer and closer to each other. Mm. And that will be the, the official <laughs> left and right version of things. Wow. I like how you phrased that. Um, yeah, back to that article uh, or the idea about the technology. This is the, on the Fed now, but you can apply it to AI and other things that we're seeing happen. Things are happen. It seems like it happens gradually because they're working on technology. They're working on the bugs out of something. Then they have this idea. Then they put it forward and they vote on it. They decide whether to implement it. And then gradually and then suddenly. So to us, like suddenly this is happening, but it's been in the works mm-hmm. for a long time. But this says, as history has taught us, Every newfangled technology can be used to commit acts of good or commit acts of evil. And isn't, isn't that what you were saying as well, John? Yes, I would like to tell you something that happened to me. Here is a time for a little anecdote, a fake story. No, anyway. Um, one night we were at church during some event. I was back with one of their uh, media people, and we were just listening to what was going on. So we start playing with ChatGBT which was interesting. And finally, I asked the question, did Lady Macbeth ever get the spot out? Now, for those of you who ever read Macbeth by Shakespeare, remember that Lady Macbeth, they murder Bancro, and she's got the guilt of his murder on her, and she's talking about the spot of his blood on her hands, which doesn't exist. She sees it. It's an obsessive, compulsive thing, you know. And she's running around the whole darn place saying, "Out, I'll be polite here, out darn spot trying to get the spot out. And so I said, so did Lady Macbeth ever get the spot out? And it comes back. It writes me this nice paragraph and said, there never was a spot, blah, 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 blah. It was a metaphor for this or that, yada, yada. Lady Macbeth was never trying to get the spot out. That's wrong. And Mm -hmm. so I typed back to the computer, you are wrong. Okay, Lady Macbeth was running around the whole play trying to get this spot washed off her hand. The computer starts justifying its mistake to me, the artificial intelligence. And the more I tried to pin it down with logic and reason, the more it prevaricated and refused to admit that it was wrong. It apologized wow. for whatever. And I said to turn to the guy, I said, do you see that? That is the sin nature of mankind coming through artificial yes. intelligence. It refuses to admit the truth. 
Wow. Yeah, that's uh, wow. wow. I don't know what to think about that. Wow. Well, I see a lot of people interviewed on TV like that, <laughs> especially committed diehard leftists and globalists. Like they would never admit that uh, their ideas for the future are, are going to fail or that there has been failures in the past when it comes to uh, worldwide socialism or so many other things that have been tried. They'll never admit they're wrong. Yeah. So I can no. see how AI would pick up on that. Well, right. And uh, Congressman Barney Frank, I used to love him, you know, when he was <laughs> yeah. in, because, you know, right up until the Kaflui back in 2007, 2008, he's one of those voices running around going, no, there's no, remember how we sort of talked? There's no brain, crisis. Right? There's no crisis. There's no problem with Fannie or Freddie. Everything's just fine. Americans should keep it. Boom. Who could have seen that coming? You know, <laughs> I mean, if we were out there on the Financial Sense News Hour, I remember I was the co-host of that for 18 wow. years. We were talking about that this whole <laughs> blowout starting in 2014, and when you say who could have seen that coming? Well, I'm sorry. Back in uh, 2004, we started talking about it for three years ahead of the blowout, which you could see. We all knew that it was subprime mortgages, mm. which had been packaged together, and this is the crime yeah. as triple mm-hmm. A investment instruments, triple A, which people were putting in their you know, their, their IRAs, their 401ks, retirement pension plans and everything else. Did you ever see anybody get prosecuted nope. for that? Because everybody in the industry knew that it was all a giant game. Wow. Uh, yeah. people, they, but everybody was making money. Realtors were making money. Banks were making money. Even they knew, no, they knew about 50% of these loans were going to fail. Wow. And it was just a question. Um, I used to describe it as little bags of dog poop, okay, except that they're all wrapped up in Christmas wrapping. And so they look really neat on the outside. And everybody's trading these little bags of doggy droppings around, right? And I said, but someday somebody's going to open one of the bags. (laughs) (laughs) And that's exactly what happened in 2007 in August. John, you're great with the visuals today. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, Barney Frank is just, yeah, that, yeah, okay. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I can remember. Yeah, that's. Um, so, okay, we've got eight minutes left, and Mayor, did you want to touch on uh, Charles and Charles or what? what well, I just want to oh, ask oh, you real quick about um, this guy who uh, left Google, and he says it's not to badmouth Google. Well, he's badmouthing what Google does. Basically, the godfather of AI, he quit this week, uh, Jeffrey Hinton, because he says that, um, you know, our brains, we have roughly 86 billion neurons in our skulls and 100 trillion connections that those neurons forge among. But now he's saying that the technology underlying ChatGPT features between 500 billion and a trillion connections. And he's disturbed by that, at least he says he is. And I, you know, I don't believe that these things can become sentient, but can, can these AI things be smarter than humans? Can they reason? Well, they can have uh, more information, <laughs> but as far as reason, what do you think, John? <laughs> you have now asked the $64,000 question. I right. uh, because who can make war with the beast? Right. The statue of the beast mm-hmm. talks. Mm-hmm. It can think. Mm-hmm. It can do that. And it does it faster than we can do it. And it can have so, you killed. It can have you killed if it right. don't it, worship. And that's a mm-hmm. big debate. Will, will we ever have robocops? And will the robocops ever have discretion over lethal use of force? Mm. You know, this type of thing. Uh, and then will that net tie into what people believe? Because we see right now, l- look at what happened during the, all the lockdowns uh, during the COVID issue. Yeah. Um, you saw a tremendous totalitarian instinct. 
in a lot of these governors. Oh, boy. The heck with the law, the heck yep. with the Constitution. Mm-hmm. We're going to begin dictating to you what you have to do. And so if that instinct is there, yeah. What will happen when it's applied with artificial intelligence? Look at the fight we're having over wokeism in businesses. What happens to people who dissent in businesses? Uh, they are vilified, ridiculed, fired, mm-hmm. persecuted, sometimes physically assaulted because you aren't going along with the wokus pocus, which is all based on relative constantly changing values that are self-contradictory. One day they tell us A, next day they tell us B. And it, we just keep flip-flopping, but we're all expected to march in lockstep with this. Mm-hmm. This will just enable enforcement. That's the only thing it's going to do. Wow. When I was younger, I used to joke and say, it's all relative, you know? I mean, but now people actually, that's their ideology. They live like that. Um, so, John, we've got five minutes left. I want to get to a lighter topic, and that would be communist policy in America. Um, no, seriously. No, seriously. Seriously, I'm pulling up this article. Uh, who's going who's gonna to save the day? In the presidential election 2024. Well, RFK Jr. is uh, going to run for the Democrat Party. And he's been doing some great work, by the way, exposing uh, COVID-19 vaccines and raising concerns there. But um, ABC News censored him. They're on the same team, understand. They're both Democrats. So ABC News censors Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in an interview, his first interview when he announced his candidacy, his first sit-down interview because of remarks on COVID vaccine problems that and the things that may have violated federal law. So, John, your take on this, that is communist policy. That's right here in our in our media, of course, and we've seen that since 2020, if not before. And I want you to know, darling, that communist policy always takes out its own children. <laughs> is that according? And it has. Huh? Is that according to moose and squirrel? <laughs> yeah, that's according to moose and squirrel. It's okay to kill moose and squirrel now, yes. Um, no, it, it, see, this is the problem. Cancel culture cancels everything. And there are huge numbers of questions now. One of the things that is arising, um, which has affected my wife, is that the people are developing inflamed stomachs that endoscopists don't know what to do. We've mm-hmm. had two different endoscopists admit that this is becoming an emerging problem, probably tied to the COVID shot, that wow. is affecting thousands. They're seeing, I've heard the quote twice, affecting thousands of cases, even if the medical profession doesn't want to admit it. And so remember why I said that divergence yep. between reality and, re- and uh, narrative and what's happening now is we just can't get to the truth, and people are afraid in these professions to speak the truth. I've got a very close friend uh, north of where you are there uh, in Wisconsin who's a doctor in the outback of Ontario, and the Canadian government's been trying to push mandatory COVID vaccinations as part of the collection of vaccinations. Kids have to have to go to school. And he called me one night and said, this is absurd. Because we know that deaths between zero and 19 year olds is a round off error. It's way out there, uh, from COVID. It's almost non-existent and it usually comes to someone who has a comorbidity already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we ran the numbers. And in order to supposedly save one child from COVID with the vaccine, you would have to immunize 40 million Canadian children just to save one. However, 
more children will die from the side effects of the shot just by normal mortality associated with any kind of a mm-hmm. vaccination. You'd have maybe 50 kids would die from negative effects of the vaccine to save one child. And he stood up at a conference of doctors and he finally mm-hmm. said this. He said, this is insanity. Mm-hmm. You know, wh- why aren't you guys standing up? Yeah, okay. it's unbelievable. And, and saying that, and he said he got done just showing them the facts. And it, he said it got real quiet in the room. Nobody said anything. And finally, one doctor spoke up and said, thank you for bringing that to our attention. Uh, only a few people in all of these professions now have the guts to stand up yeah. and speak the truth. But when you speak the truth, it puts to death the lie. And we are where they were in Nazi Germany. They are where they were in Soviet Union. Um, yeah, when you they have to speak the truth. Yes, and then they were shutting down doctors and censoring doctors in 2020. If you came out any, if you were against the media or the government narrative, the their talking points, they would silence one side. And then big tech, I call it the one party, big tech media conglomerate. Big tech was censoring people on social media. And they were allowing the government-approved talking points. And that, John, as you know, that's communist policy. That's what the communists do. They put out their propaganda, and anything that speaks against it, you, you shut them down. You silence the critics, right? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what that's exactly what it is. And uh, Vaclav Havel wrote a very good essay on that. He passed away about uh, less than 10 years ago. He was the first president of the Czech Republic. Uh, after the fall of communism, and it's called The Power of the Powerless. And he says the new dictatorship today, and this is where we're moving, is into this technocratic fascism. Um, the new dictatorship is not dedicated to an individual, although you and I both know, uh, all of three of us, sorry, that's right, there are three of us in this conversation, um, and we all know that that's not going to be true in the end. It will be devoted to one person. Yep. But the deal is it's devoted to an idea. And everybody, even the leaders, have to give lip service to the idea. But the moment one person speaks up and the second person speaks up, things start to change. We'll be right back with more John Leffler on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Feedback, questions, and topic suggestions are always appreciated. Email us at comments at standupforthetruth.com. So as uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was censored on ABC News, of all places, um, he retorted with a law that we really, uh, most people didn't even know about because Trump was censored all the time. And so the Democrat nomination, uh, well, he, the Democrat candidate, accused ABC of violating federal law. 47 U.S.C. 315 makes it illegal for TV networks to censor presidential candidates. But last Thursday, or I believe a week ago Thursday, ABC showed its, well, its complicit in this by cutting most of the content from their interview with the presidential candidate. Now, this is fascinating, John Leffler, because we know that they shut down and silenced and shadow banned and censored Trump and even took his stuff out of context. And that wasn't just social media. That was the media. So what are your thoughts on this? It is federal law, um, but it doesn't matter at this point, does it? 
you're talking something I haven't heard of this concept law. What is that? What is it you're <laughs> yeah, talking about? It's been about? a while. It's been a while um, since because uh, we're 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 dealing with Bible prophecy when there will be increased lawlessness, and right. I think people have just accepted that there will be no accountability. Uh, you cannot hold, especially a progressive or a globalist or a liberal Democrat, accountable. You just can't. A prosecute well, or who, well, who owns ABC anymore? Don't yeah. you, you have to wonder if these are multinational media and PR groups that own the networks? Does that even apply? Well, anymore? I'm sure Big Pharma is connected with a lot of the yeah. networks, do with their advertising and all that. So they don't want Kennedy or anybody else talking mm-hmm. about Especially, the vaccine. Yeah. John, your thoughts? Yeah, cancel culture cancels everybody. It comes mm-hmm. for everybody. It, you know, and that's hard. Really, a hard sell to some people. You know, because you talk about remember there's a difference between Democrat Republican and what I call Genuine conservatives, genuine liberals, and then there are progressives on the right-hand side of the equation are your radical, you know, they really are. Let's face it, we have extremists on the right that I don't really share much with. Yeah, on both sides. Yeah. Uh, On both sides. The difference is, is trying to make it appear as if the extremists are in the main part. And that's what the media is trying to do for the right. Every time there's something by some extremist somewhere. Uh, then they try to smear that back all the way over everybody saying we all do it. We've seen hit pieces here where I live in Coeur d'Alene. Uh, you know, I uh, had a Times of London film crew come in. They're doing a documentary on why everybody's moving to places like Idaho or Texas, etc. Uh, and they come in and they interviewed our pastor. We're a big church. And uh, I finally cornered the producer. They interviewed me, but they didn't use a dime of what I had said. They didn't use me at all because I didn't give them the little juicy, crazy bites they were looking for. Right, you know? right. Because I knew. But I asked him, I said, are you here to do a a, um, a hit piece or a real documentary? And he was really just, well, which means, okay, I know what that means. Right, right. Yeah. And when it came out, sure enough, hour-long documentary, and they say, well, North Idaho – you know, it's a place where we have lots of lakes, just like you do. We have mountains and skis and hiking trails, and it's a wonderful place. A lot of conservatives are moving there, comma. But Idaho has a dark past, and they take us back to the days the Aryan nations were here uh, 20 years. I've seen this happen more than once. And then they try to link conservatives here now with the Aryan nations, you know, the white supremacists, who haven't been here for 20 years, for Pete's sake. They're gone. Okay, this whole area has changed so much, it's incredible. But they're doing this all the time. And I was just talking to a gentleman at church who's an African-American who relocated here from New York, and he said his friends are going, what, you're going to Idaho? How can you? Why? Because the media folds their head full of garbage that just simply isn't true. They're lying to you. That's That's my message to everybody, and I've been in radio and TV news since... What, 1966 is when I first got into it. and uh, They are lying. I'm I'm disgusted. They're lying to you. Well, ever since Cronkite said, and that's the way it is, we should have have asked more questions. Yeah, we should have. And even here, and you should have seen the the lies with the Wisconsin Supreme Court race before the Mm -hmm. election. And just the left was putting out these blatant lies about uh, Dan Kelly, the guy that was running for the Wisconsin Supreme Court. It was just, it was not surprising if you knew how this worked, but they were... It's to, so far out, and they, of course, nobody's held accountable for that. John, a r- related topic is that a handful of giant corporations control the global propaganda machine. This is an article over at uh, childrenshealthdefense.org by Dr. Joseph Mercola, 
And he says the world's four largest advertising holding companies um, and the Interpublic Group is one of them are deeply interlocked with the corporate media, the military industrial complex and global policymakers. This is pretty extensive, so we can't really dive into this like we really would like to because there's a lot of detail that goes into this. But we've known for years, as you see, one corporate buyout and they take over the smaller companies and, you know, someone's got to control it at the top, right? And now we're down to a handful of players, it seems, right? Pretty much so. Yeah. And, and they're in, and there's a lot of times a revolving door. Have you noticed people that are, say, White House press secretaries then go and become commentators and, uh, in the same thing in the military industrial complex, same thing in the education complex. And that's what started this whole thing, by the way, the major shifts in education back in the 1980s. They were the educrats, meaning the elites at the top. They were telegraphing where they were going to take education and, and how to, yeah. Yeah. Uh, brainwash the children, literally brainwash them factually. Not, uh, they were using the Soviet methods yes. of doing that. Yes. And that's why today's kids, remember that the, if you benchmark 1989 for the change, when Dr. Shirley McCune gave the keynote speaker's address at the governor's conference on education, I only have fragments of the audio. Uh, but she's talking about that. We don't need to teach kids facts anymore. We just need to teach them. How to mm-hmm. think, and what that means is what socialized yeah. group think, not critical, logical digestion. And here we are. Today's new adults, the millennials and the Gen Zs, are becoming they're there. And now, by the way, this is hope. We talked about hope because I'll tell you why. Remember, cancel culture cancels everybody, and oftentimes its own children first. Because there, let me give you four different levels of what's going on right now. The top level is what I call the hoi polloi. That's you and I. We go through our daily lives, and uh, you just want to raise your kids and go to church or do whatever you do, play golf. That's it. The second level, those are the true believers. This is like global warming is a threat. We're going to toast by next year if we don't immediately shut down all fossil fuel, that type of nonsense. Greta Thunberg, uh, for example, she's a true believer. That's what that one is. Well, she's programmed. Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Like, like the younger generation. They're programmed. Right? They're programmed. Yeah. They bought it. Yeah. The third level, now this is where you used to find people like Lenin and Hitler and everybody else. That's the PMC, Power, Money, and Control Group. And the PMC group at level three only need the people at level two as just to get their agendas across. They, they need the whole marching army. It was like the brown shirts. They all bought it and... They were the, the brown shirts were the same things as the Antifa crowd today. They go out and riot in the streets, intimidate, break things up, burn things down, <clears throat> uh, whatever needs to happen. And then the fourth level is really the conspiracy level. That's where the demonic is. And that's where Satan is orchestrating all these different groups from behind because scripture says the whole world is in the power of the evil one. Well, at, in level two, they get disillusioned. And what we've given, you, you find when you talk to millennials today, if they will talk to older people, which they, they are ageophobic, they don't know how to do that, um, <laughs> a lot of them are depressed, yeah. they understand mm-hmm. something's wrong, yeah. they mm-hmm. know it inside, but you see groupthink prohibits them from speaking it. Yes. So they can't come out and admit it. This is a tremendously fertile field for evangelization to rescue them from their own cancel culture. Mm. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. You, you're not going to stop this flow. It's it's huge worldwide yeah. of where we're headed. Yeah. 
but the mission statement of the church never changes. You know, go forth, make right. disciples, rescue some from the fire, snatching them from the fire. And if somebody doesn't want to be snatched, go find somebody else who does. Take them out of the fire. So this is our job. The skills that churches are going to need are totally different mm. than what we've had now. Yep. And a lot of pastors, it's funny watching how the different pastors are reacting, just like pastors did in the onrush of Nazism in Germany. Yes, Some of them spot early on what's happening and decide to take a stand and countermeasures, underground mm. seminaries like Bonhoeffer did. Uh, other pastors start wiffle-waffling back and forth. Well, I don't know. Maybe we should just preach the gospel. What do you think? Who cares about the Jews? You know, this type of thing. Who cares about politics, right? Who it, cares yeah. about politics? Quote, right. political well, issues. Right. And political issues are not going to leave the churches alone. Right. That's the funny part. Because they are moral issues. They are moral issues. But, uh, John, you said something very interesting. We've talked about this quite a bit, how there's a parallel between what's happening in America and what happened in world history in Nazi Germany. And as you said, approximately one-third of the pastors only in Germany actually stood up and resisted, and many of them were hanged and killed and persecuted, but we're seeing the silence of the American church generally on so many of these huge life-and-death issues, a lot of them. And uh, here we are. But, yeah, you're right. Our mission has not changed. But uh, there's definitely a remnant now, and a lot of people have just would rather just not, not admit that this is all happening, right? Right, and it is happening. That's reality. And when I talk about persecution, I will ask people, I said, okay, what is it going to take to get you to spit in the face of Christ? Okay, how much will it be? Hmm. Will it be depriving you of your freedom, taking your family away from you, chopping your genitals off, torture, what, what's it going to do? What's your breaking point before you you deny Christ? Um, and I said, that's the first thing that you have to know before you go into anything, that that's your, your benchmark, that no matter what happens, I will not deny mm. Christ. And how far am I willing to go in order to not do that? Um, and you have to think about that ahead of time. You have to know ahead <sighs> of time the people you can trust. There will be a lot of people in churches today that apostatize as the screws get turned up. Yeah. And the screws will get turned up. Well, they are. Uh, yeah. Never, yeah. Nevertheless, yeah. mission statement is the same. Right. We're called to rescue people, called to maintain our faith, to encourage each other, and to wear the armor of God. Because ultimately, we do win, but it doesn't mean you ain't going to get hurt in the process. Well, and I think, too, the, the more the Bible has been taken out of churches, a lot of millennials haven't been exposed to any systematic studies or oh. prophecy or anything, it's going to seem, I, I think that God can really use that because now they're going to open it afresh. Now, I grew up never having any Bible. So when I understood, you know, what was in it, I never read through it, you know, and what Revelation said and all that, it was just revelatory. It was just, it was life-changing, and I knew it was. Hmm. And my hope and prayer is that even though the churches have dropped the ball seriously on so many ways, so many issues, that once we do bring the, open that Bible to the millennials, it'll be fresh and new and life changing, and and uh, God can use anything. But um, have those Bibles with you when you talk to millennials, and and let the Lord do the rest. Right, and you know what do you see today? Uh, the the one thing that that all the millennials need is absolute truth. Mm-hmm. They need to root in something. Yes. Um, if I can give my speech, I think I've given it to David before. There are five characteristics of today's postmodern thinkers which has affected 
Gen Xers, Millennials, and Gen Z. Uh, the first thing is it's relative when you talk about truth. It's all relative. It just changes with somebody's latest idea. Number two, that means it's constantly changing. Because it's relative, and so it blows with the zeitgeist, the spirit of the time. But because it's constantly changing, number three, it's self-contradictory. Because what they say yesterday will suddenly be the opposite of what they say today. Mm -hmm. And so since they do that, number four, it's compartmentalized, which means we put truth in different compartments. So my Bible life is over here, my sex Mm -hmm. life is over there, my relationship with my wife or girlfriend, etc. is over there, and my school life is here. And as long as you keep all of the contradictions in different compartments, you're okay. That's what intersectionality is all about. Intersectionality is an effort to harmonize all of the contradictions from this. And the last one, and this is the one that's critical, is it's consensus-driven. And that's why if you take young people who have been inured into this system, that they're educated in it. Um, everybody is afraid to speak out because speaking out, varying, you were talking about Robert Kennedy there, uh, varying even slightly brings on an attack. So everybody's watching everybody else to make sure that everybody is talking the same line, even if you don't believe it inside yourself. Hmm. And many of these, a friend of mine is a, runs a health spa, and she told me, she said, once you get their confidence, oh, my gosh, the floodgates just open up, and they begin to talk to you about what they're really thinking once they know it's safe to do that. But bear in mind, by the way, that, that squashes any kind of innovation. If people are afraid to be a maverick, to change, to challenge, that's what science is made of, medicine, all of the things that we have today are the ability of an individual uh, to dissent, like one doctor saying, you know, I think bacteria causes infection during surgery. Well, of course, he was widely opposed at the time. I forget the doctor's name who discovered that. Um, but we accept that today, whereas back then he was ridiculed. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with other diseases, etc. So that's why if we can get through uh, this shell that they have to forcefully put up, then you can actually get somewhere, and they will they will respond to it. Remember, millennials don't care what you know until they know that you care uh, because they're all relationship, groupthink driven. Hmm. And the most, most, they represent everything that looks like what brainwashing used to look like during the Korean War or the Vietnam War. It resembles that. And brainwashing really is having somebody accept ideas without them opposing it, you know, without having to force it on them. Right. And they don't know, many of them, most of them, they don't know that they're brainwashed. They, they don't know that they've been fed one set or one ideology or one worldview. And That's that, correct. And that they have been programmed. And so I think what, what I'm also um, thinking about while you're talking, John, is when we do share, because we do care, we don't want the younger generation to go to hell. Uh, we do want to save as many as we can, and we do want to speak the truth, and hopefully it'll penetrate some. But I think we need to surrender our expectations because they are raised. I mean, think about the hours of influence in the government-run schools and the media and social media, Hollywood, the, our, our own government and corporations. That they are programmed so deeply, and it, it is so ingrained, and, and I don't know, thousands and thousands of hours of not just, quote, air quote, education, but propaganda. And and so they're taught to be social justice activists. We still need to reach them. We still need to put forth the effort, but surrender expectations. What do you think? 
Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And by the way, you are describing exactly, if you go back and look at the education literature in 1948, the educrats were saying we had to get children away from, from their the parents. Po- poisonous ideas, they called them, the poisonous ideas of their parents and pastors and priests. Wow. They were saying that, okay, yep. that they had to do that. Now, and, and you see it in fruition today yeah. where if uh, a girl needs an abortion, they don't want to tell the parents. They don't want to tell the parents what the curriculum is that the kids are studying. That's the one thing that the COVID thing did for us during the lockdown <laughs> is suddenly millions of parents could go, you're studying what? Exactly. You know, and seeing this. Um, so they were talking mm. about this separating kids, and they said the very same thing that you said. What are the churches and parents going to do when they have them for a couple hours at night mm-hmm. and maybe an hour on Sunday or two hours uh, when we have them for six to eight hours a day, five days a week? They said they can't fight that. Right. You know. Well, David, my argument. Said, go ahead. I'm sorry. Wait, David, you said the word I was thinking. Influence. They've been influenced by hours and of when, influence. And when I first saw or understood these things on social media called influencers. Yeah. I thought, who are you people and who decided that you would? But on the other side of that is that they can be influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit too. So it all is not lost. I know as Rush used to say, they have heads full of mush <laughs> and you can influence that head full of mush, but we can also uh, be praying that, that the Holy Spirit would be the number one influencer in this generation. In the same way, a lot of the Jesus, we had Chuck Gerard on yesterday, a lot of the Jesus kids who were just so far gone in LSD and they were losing brain cells by the hour with all the drugs and all that, but God, Correct. Yeah. but God, uh, he got a hold of their hearts and minds in a powerful way. And I, I, I think that, um, God certainly loves them more than we ever could. Yeah. And so it's the power of the Holy Spirit can break through that and be their influencer. Amen. It's always the Holy Spirit. It, you can never, for logic and reason are important things, but they will never trump mm-hmm. the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. They will never, it's his work. See, he knows what's going on in their heads. You don't. Right. Mm. Okay. That's why that's important to remember. And just step up to the plate as the Spirit leads you. Uh, and you'll do it. And by the way, mm-hmm. Jesus didn't win everybody over. Paul didn't win everybody over. That's right. Uh, yeah. you, Noah so. didn't win anybody over. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Noah. <laughs> well, Listen, about- Noah's whole thing, when it was over, it was all a wash. So don't worry. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> okay, okay. I think of I think of Jonah. Jonah's they they Nineveh repented and he just he was angry at God. Yeah, yeah, so, what yeah. do you mean they repented? Yeah, he yeah. wanted to see judgment. Yeah. And I think you know what, John, there's a real part of us that says, you know what, we hate evil and we hate what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. We want to see God's righteousness. We want to see his wrath poured out. But we do love people enough to say, wait, to warn them that it's going to happen. A lot of people have no idea, yeah, unfortunately, even some in the church have no idea what that's going to look like. Yeah, and there's going to be a demand now on your faith. You will not be able to be a loose Christian. It will be different than it has been in the United States and Canada uh, to this day. And this is going on all over the world because we do have a a Facebook page, Praying for Persecuted Christians, if anybody wants to go there, search Praying for Persecuted Christians. And um, we see this in the Islamic country. Jesus said, in the end, the whole world would hate us on his account. Mm-hmm. He didn't say they'd hate us for the same reason, by the way. All right. In Islamic world, maybe it's because you won't acknowledge that Allah is God. In the Western world, maybe it's because you don't want to be a secularist. Doesn't make any difference. Look at this. I'm, I've tr- been trying for days to remember this, uh, 
Navy chaplains who was uh, discharged, dishonorably discharged from the Navy because he was ordered not to pray in Jesus's name. And he said, well, on the day of judgment, okay, I'd rather have Jesus tell me, well done, good and faithful servant, mm. and not disobey him because we uh, Christians are instructed to pray in the name of Jesus. And so he did, and he was court-martialed and thrown out. Isn't that amazing in a day yeah. when we're guaranteed freedom of religion by the Constitution? You know, that type of stuff happens. It's yep. incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found now it's a Facebook group, right, Praying for Persecuted Christians? Correct. Okay, yep. so it's a Facebook group, but I just found it, and I I think I was already on there, John. I see some of your the articles you shared, one from Voice of the Martyrs. But, yeah, that's perspective, a perspective check. We have had a reprieve in the United States of Entertainment in the last couple hundred years. We Because of our Constitution, because of our founding, because of religious freedom, so we have a hard time understanding what's happening now as even in our country they're firebombing uh, crisis pregnancy centers and churches, and we're thinking, where did this come from? Because we're not familiar with it here. But if you pay attention uh, and understand world history, there's persecution everywhere. I'm sorry, Richard Vornbron, you're you're absolutely right. Richard Vornbron, during his time in Romania, remember he spent 14 years in prison. Yeah. Uh, And he said, once you took the restraint of God and the Holy Spirit out of the society, so the total depravity of mankind came roaring through. Sadism, murder, hatreds, everything came roaring out. Remember that the secularist view in psychology is that we're born either neutral or intrinsically good, and we just simply make bad choices, <laughs> you know. And I, one time I had a guy on the show say that, and I want to say, well, wait a minute. If people are intrinsically good, don't they just intrinsically make good choices? <laughs> and, and why do we That's have funny. so many intrinsically good people making very bad choices? Yeah. Doing evil. You know, mm-hmm. doing evil. Yeah. And that's what Vornbrand said. And see, this is what we've done. Uh, uh, listening to college professors tells me the most thing. A professor called me from uh, Florida, and he teaches art at a local college there. He told me for the first time of incoming students... He has a whole classroom full of students who have no idea of the role of religion, Christianity, and Judaism in the development of Western civilization and art. They have no idea. Mm-hmm. They weren't taught it, that the importance of this underlying thing. And um, so that's where we are. We've let this go. Yeah. And you see the, the in a lot of the fights that are going on over schools, you see the incredible bigotry in some school districts of the, um, what am I trying to say, of the staff towards Christianity. Just incredible yeah. bigotry toward that. But that's legalized. But they can do that. Yes, right. right. Well, ABC, words, ABC, anything but Christ. Right, exactly. That's the culture we live in. But thank God more parents are starting to wake up. And as yeah. you said, John, COVID. And then when they saw what their kids were learning, they're going, wait a minute. <laughs> anyway, so more parents are fighting back. More people are stepping up. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. We still need Christians to engage. And that means at the local you, you, level you in st- elections and school yeah. boards and everything. You still need to get your kids out of public school. Yep. Uh, yeah. These may not be recoverable. And you'll spend all your time fighting. There have been whole groups of us. I've been doing this on the radio for 30 years. Other groups were fighting it for even longer, trying to get them to cooperate. And finally, at Citizens for Excellence in Education, they said, get your kids out. They We've tried for 40 years. Yeah. They don't want to work with us. Bing. So churches need to start coming up immediately. You know, you know we've had a hemorrhage of 60 to 80 percent of our youth from the faith as the pastor sat there going, what's happening? Exactly. Maybe we need another pizza party or something. No, they're being indoctrinated <laughs> yeah. in this system. 
And yeah. that's why you is where you is, to yeah. use correct grammar there. John Leffler, we've got to have you back on sooner rather than later. Thank you so much for your time, brother. God bless you. God bless. Remember to pray for the persecuted church. Yes, and look up that group, friends, on Facebook. It's called Praying for Persecuted Christians. Well, Amir, we got another busy week next week. We kick it off with J.B. Hickson on Monday and Robert Meyer of Renew America on Tuesday. You, you will hear T.A. McMahon in our recent uh, interview with him on Wednesday, Wayne Allen Root on Thursday, and Mark and Amber Archer produced Mind Polluters. They'll be with us on Friday. Guys, thanks again for sharing the podcast. Have a great weekend. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.